welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I'm your host, Logar the Barbarian. And today I'm joined by Todd from the podcast 50 Shades of D&D and the proprietor slash owner of Gateway Games and more. Welcome, Todd. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have you. I'm glad to have you. Now, I'm excited to get Todd on because he's got a great little game store that I really like to go to. <laughs> and I wanted to talk about, we talk about role-playing games, but I wanted to talk about the side of the having a game store and whatnot. Yeah, and you've been coming in for what? Three or four years? Oh, no. At least. It's been more than that because I don't, since 2020, I've only been in like maybe once or twice oh. for quite a few years before it was a yeah, few years the, before that it started coming in we all have like two-year memory gaps <laughs> for some reason i i'm not sure why i want to say no it had to have been longer than that because i think i was married to my last ex-wife so at least yeah. since 2014 so that was that's when that divorce oh, happened yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so i've been there 11 11 uh, almost 11 years now how did you end up with a game store? Because that sounds like a dream to a lot of folks. <laughs> well, you know, it is something a lot of people dream about. I, I remember being, I don't know, 19 or 20 years old and thinking, how cool would it be? So here was my grandiose plan at 19 or 20 years old is everything that I liked. I thought, why doesn't someone make a bookstore, game store, record store, that sells guitars, not even reeling at the realizing at the time what an insane project that would be, you know. And, and then over the years, you know, comic stores fell by the wayside and record stores fell by the way, wayside. And then sometime when I got up in my 30s somewhere, I thought, well, maybe maybe just a game store would be a better idea. And I really started off like before I even did the game store, I, I started a, a, an online community, Yahoo Groups. Remember Yahoo Groups? Oh, I remember Yahoo Groups existing, yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was talking to one of my friends one day, and he, he, was not, he was getting ready to go to his Sunday game. And there was a guy at that game that just drove him crazy. And everybody hated playing with him. And I was like, why don't you kick that guy out <laughs> and replace him? Uh, you know or kick him out and they said he's a warm body and they had trouble like they didn't know anybody else they could get to play so and i always felt over the years that one of the things i was always able to do was get to get together a group of people to play DD that could stand to play DD with each other so i started uh, the southwestern ohio gathering of gamers or sog yahoo group we grew it up to i i can't remember how many members we had but we'd get three or 400 messages a month. And, 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 you know, then I started thinking about, you know, spinning it off into a business idea. So, so I would, I would ask questions. I would put polls on there, like how much a month do you spend on games? And, you know, what kind of stuff do you look for? And then I started meetup groups and I still hadn't decided where I want. I, I knew by then that I wanted to start a store. I just didn't know where. And I had meetup groups in Dayton and in the east side of Cincinnati. And then I found myself moving uh, down to Mount Oreb. So east side Cincinnati ended up being the place to go. And, you know, I, I looked around and everybody had magic and they had Warhammer and role-playing games is more my first love as far as games go. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I'll start a place and we'll concentrate on role-playing games uh, I've had 
very few magic events. Uh, I've never had any organized Warhammer or anything. I decided to fit the niche in between, at the time, what was the game store, one exit north and one exit south. The one exit north was like mostly magic and flames of war at the time. And one exit south, I know they played a lot of uh, Warhammer and, and such. And so I just landed into the little niche that I'm in to this day. One thing I do love about it, now I say something about your store because it's not the biggest location. I've been to a lot of bigger game stores, like size-wise. But for some reason, a lot of times when I go to those bigger stores, I don't really find what I'm looking for and things I'm interested in. It's a lot of stuff I'm not playing. But for some reason, you've got, and I've said jokingly before, like this guy's got a great little store. There's three shelves in there, but three bookshelves in there pretty much, like double-sided ones. But they're all stuff I want to get. I'm stuck right. in there more, like, oh, this is where all the good stuff is. I don't know how you pulled that off, but you so, did. <laughs> I just order the stuff that I want, <laughs> and I figured that's what somebody else will want. That's what I want. I, I like I like the options you got there. Usually, there's always something I'm wanting, and I always have to. A lot of times, I go to a game store. It's like, uh, I might be interested in this. I might be. And when I walk in a gateway, it's like, oh, I want that, that, and that. I only have this much money. Maybe I can buy two of them instead of one. Maybe I can buy an extra. <laughs> so well, the fact <laughs> that you and I like all the same games uh, probably <laughs> helps. helps that, too. Well, speaking of which, we're going to be starting up another Castles and Crusades campaign soon. Nice. You're, you're the person who got me into Castles and Crusades. <laughs> so right now is one of those rare times in my life over the last decade plus that I'm actually not running a castles and crusades game. I've decided to give old school essentials a try. Oh, it's a great game. Yeah. And that's what we've been doing for about, I I don't know, eight or eight months or so, six or eight months, which I really like, but you know, castles and crusades does uh, still hold a large place in my heart. So we, we've been running that Hyperborea campaign that uh, Light this is the other guy that that uh, hosts on here. Uh, he's running that. And we've been running that since well before the pandemic. I think we're coming up and we'll be hitting three years now on that campaign. And it's still going pretty strong. And again, that's one of those ones. The first time I saw Astonishing Swordsman and Sorcerers of Hyperborea was at your shop. <laughs> So I always feel obligated to say the whole title of the game whenever <laughs> I mention it, which gets kind of funny if I'm having a wordy conversation with somebody about it. Uh, so Jeffrey Talanian, the author, is a great dude, too, and a giant Iron Maiden fan. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I remember I had this, that old, what was that one? Fly with the wings like an eagle. Oh, yeah. Fly to Icarus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had that on cassette when I was a kid. And I remember blaring it and blaring it and jamming out to it. And I looked beside me. These people are looking all upset at me. And I'm flying by and I found out I was in the middle of this funeral procession. <laughs> 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 I got a lot of dirty looks. Like, uh oh. Just blared it for the funeral. Anyways, sidetrack. <laughs> so, how did you end up with the game store? How did, how did that start? Well, I, I just, I, I would go to game stores and, and they wouldn't really have exactly what I wanted. And I, I thought that there, there's got to be a spot, you know, uh, in the uh, market for somebody who carries 
but by then the OSR was getting pretty big. So Dungeon Crawl Classics wasn't out yet as a role-playing game. Uh, it was like in the first year I was open, it came up. But uh, Castles and Crusades and Osric, and I can't think of what else would have been available was in like Lord local game stores. Oh, yeah, cool. Labyrinth Lord. And most of that stuff wasn't readily available at any game store that I would go to. And then obviously uh, Pathfinder was actually huge right when I opened it. It was like in the death throes of fourth edition D&D. So I would have some fourth edition D&D. But I used to try to stock back when it was feasibly possible. I would have every Pathfinder book in in stock which uh as you know kind of spiraled out of control and that became <laughs> impossible to do yeah they, they put they, they put a lot of stuff out for a while it was a constant constant thing it, they had a lot out <laughs> especially yeah. with the adventure <laughs> modules and the little uh magazine for a long time they were easily over one sixth of my rpg inventory was uh just pathfinder yeah and now the thing that i see everywhere is fifth edition books it's anywhere i go predominantly fifth edition stuff and i i'll be honest i don't really pick it up if i started picking it up stuff and buying it i don't want to i don't want another another set of books and editions to try i have to like obsess over buying everything for <laughs> so it, it's amazing that the game has been out for eight years and really? i still sell more fifth edition players handbooks than any other game except for something that's just come out like like in the last week uh the the gi joe role-playing game just came out so so for a week or two i will sell more of that than the fifth edition players handbook but you know as, as soon as everybody has the gi joe book it will be back to consistently uh the player's handbook for fifth edition the best-selling book I've ever had in the store. Yeah, I mean it's it's got to, it's very popular. It blows my mind about how many people are playing, and it seems like more people are playing D and D and role-playing games in this day and age than ever at this point. Yeah. So when I when I started the store, I, I would have people bring their kids in to buy them their first sets of dice and, and such. So in recent years, teenagers will bring their parents in to get their parents first set of dice. <laughs> so it's not just kids that are latching onto it. You know, their parents are finally saying, you know, people in their forties and fifties who never played back then are saying, Oh, I'm going to give this game a try because they, they get a kick out of watching critical role. There, there's so many gateways into the, the hobby these days that is bringing pe people, people from all walks of life. Let me ask real quick, just kind of a side note. I know that we mentioned Fifty Shades of D&D. &D. Could you yeah. tell our listeners a little bit about that so they can check it out and what you're doing over there? Yeah. Okay, so it's D50 Shades I'm of sorry. D50. Yes, it's D50. Yes. I keep on saying I, I have my crazy 50-sided uh, dice around here somewhere. So uh, one of my fellow hosts, Rick, uh, it, it was really his idea. He came to us. And said, hey, guys, I, I have an idea. There are all these retro clones, retro clones. There are tons of versions of D&D. &D. There are retro clones, neo clones, 
knockoffs. And he one day he sat down and he came up with a list of 50 of them. And he was like, we, uh, you know, we could do a podcast episode about each one. I actually had a list, I think, of about 100. <laughs> and initially, I think we rolled dice to see what we were going to cover. But then, you know, you start to strategize which one you want to do, do next. And so basically anything that is D&D-ish, you know, it, it's fantasy, it's typically D20 based, you know, normally level based, you know, anything that's close enough to D&D that when you're going to play, you tell your buddies you're going to go play D&D, even if it's pathfinder or if it's astonishing swordsman and sorcerers of hyperborea or castles and crusades you still call it DD night so we do those and we like to kind of check out the differences rick likes to uh talk about uh how magic missile works in each different one and james the other host loves to analyze the font and the binding <laughs> and the quality of the books so we have a good time with it and we actually play a session of every single game that we review on the show. One of the, that's one of the reasons we're so slow at putting out episodes. I'm the other reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to get, to get extra games. And especially when we are trying out stuff, like we've been doing that here for the podcast and trying to talk about them and yeah. just finding the time to get in those extra games and then come back and record over it. It, it, it is a bit of a task, but I mean, at least you get to play them. <laughs> yeah, we try to get at least a two-hour session in. You know, uh, something combat-oriented and then skill-check-oriented. You know, like a, a short little, you know, three-room dungeon scenario. Or in the case of Morkborg, I think we played the adventure that was in the book. Oh, I, I still haven't ran or played Morkborg yet. I've got I picked up all this stuff for it and, like... Because like Philip Reed keeps putting stuff out online, a few other people, and I've been grabbing those little zines that they've been putting out on Kickstarter. I still haven't ran it or played it, uh, but it's in the cards for this year. I said that a couple of years ago. <laughs> right. So at its core, it's a pretty simple game. But the, the, the thing I like about these games is when I buy Morkborg or Castles and Crusades or Labyrinth Lord, Anything that I buy for it, even if I never use it for the game that it was published for, you steal stuff for it or, or you convert it to one of the other games. You know, you, you might steal ideas from the Morkborg book to use in your Castles and Crusades game. I run uh, classic AD&D adventure modules using Castles and Crusades, or I'll use... Uh, fifth edition adventures for something else you know that the games are close enough that it doesn't take that long to strip the parts you want out of it well here's the thing i castles and crusades hands down i i've been saying this about and i think we've even had conversations like this when i was at the store <laughs> yeah castles and crusades i call the rosetta stone of, of dungeons and dragons right it is so easy to pull from all the clones, third edition and Pathfinder or AD&D basic older editions and just use it in there without having to take time to convert. I, I, I can invert the armor class for C&C from a, from a descending to an ascending in my head like that. Just two right. seconds flat. 
castles and crusades to me if it's some form of dnd i can pull it out and use it there flawlessly in no time and that's just the way cnc has been set up it's a great system to use for that so a little before i, I found cnc i had downloaded osric it was just a free pdf at the time and I thought it was a brilliant idea. It was the, the first time I seen where someone had taken the open gaming license and stripped it back down to look like an old edition of D&D. And then I came across Castles and Crusades. And, and the way I like to explain Castles and Crusades to people, I, I felt like if you took third edition D&D and stuck your fist down its throat and pulled out all the stuff that wasn't there in first for first edition, you know, like the, the skills and the feats and, yeah, you know, a lot of the add-on abilities and math inflation. And it just, it just leaves you with what you feel is D and D. And so I found that about 2006. So I actually going through my old uh, Amazon account, <laughs> I can see, <laughs> That in 2006, it looks like I took like I took all my Christmas money from 2006 or my Christmas money. And like January 1st, 2007, I ordered whatever Castles and Crusades stuff was available. And as soon as I got it, I absolutely loved it. It actually and what I wanted to use it for is I wanted to use it to run classic World of Greyhawk modules. And, and I tried for several years to try to get that off the ground. But, you know, you get a group together, it falls apart. You get a group together, it falls apart. And it, it just, for me, it was like everything I looked for in a role-playing game without any of the stuff that I wish I could cut out. So when I opened the store, which was 2011, so I had Castles and Crusades for four years. I had a couple false starts with some campaigns. After I opened the store, I was like, well, this is actually a product that I can sell and I would love to play. So I started a Castles and Crusades campaign on Tuesday nights. We went seven years and I ran nothing but classic D&D modules, AD&D modules. So are you ready? U1, yeah. U2, U3, <laughs> A1, A2, A3. A4, G1, G2, G3, D1, D2, D3, Q1. Okay, so I'm terrible with what G1, 2 is what titles. <laughs> I can so, remember that. So, so basically... B2 this, was the... Um, we're keeping the Borderlands, right? Yeah. So, so, so the U1, U2, U3, that's the Saltmarsh oh, yes. trilogy. A1 through A4 is the Slave Lords. Okay. G1 to G3 is the, against the Giants. D1, D2, D3 is the, the Drow series. And then Q1 is the Queen of the Demon Web Pets. So I've got the first couple of those. I don't have the Salt Marshes, but I have the Slave Lords, the Giants, and one of the other ones you said. I can't remember which one. The I Drow ones? No, I don't have the Drow ones. I don't Queen of I the Demon Web Pets? I don't think I have that one either. Yeah. So uh, anyway, <laughs> I, I pieced together what some of the greatest D&D modules of all time were. Some I'd ran when I was a teenager. Some I'd never gotten a chance to run. Uh, it was it was hard to get campaigns to last that long when you're 14 years old. The first time I ever ran a pre-written module, 
And I've been playing since like the late 80s when I got into it. First time I ran a pre-written module was 2014. Wow. I never ran a module. I've always, we were always like, no, we're going to make our own. I got my own idea. And I'm like, I'm going to do this. And it was hard for me to figure out how to run a module at first. I was like, lots of mistakes and learning and, and transitioning. Because when I create it myself and I know everything, it's all in my head. I don't right. have to look up anything. I've already figured it out. 90% of it, I'd be like making in my head at work. Well, oh, that's how this will be. And then I'll jot down like bullet point notes. And then when I went into like trying to run a module, I was like, how do I do this? It took, it was a learning curve. So I, I wrote most of my adventures as a teenager and up through the nineties uh, and would just throw in occasional modules. But when I started running the store and meetup groups and I found myself running four or five different campaigns any given month and having a day job and running the game store at night, that there was no way I could write all those adventures. So uh, I love to skim the modules and have that for the basis, but I love to go like off topic and let them do whatever they want within the module. Sometimes they get a little railroaded into the next one, but <laughs> I, I like to say, I like to put you on the railroad and take you to the next sandbox. <laughs> so. Excellent. I like that. Put you on the railroad to get to the next sandbox. I may, may do a little bit of that here coming up with this new campaign. So listen to what we're doing with this campaign. You'll have to listen to the episode that's coming out. That Well, it'll probably be out before this one airs, but it'll probably be two or three weeks till it comes out as a two-parter. Right. Uh, the high gal came along and he did like a world-building game with us. He says it takes about 45 minutes. And so what we're planning on doing is the game group's going to build the basis of the world. Like I bought, oh, I didn't bring them down here. I got these great little note cards, like index cards that are hex, hexagons, like hex crawl, like a hex yeah. map. And what we're going to do is we're going to build the basis of the world and like the factions that interact. And then as we're doing that and we create our different areas and conflicts, everybody's going to roll their characters up and that's going to be the foundation of the game. Nice. And then, like wherever the mad, like the mountains are, you can throw in modules like the what plume mountains or something like that, you know. Right. And we're gonna throw in a lot of like different modules in certain areas they fit and play through things. But that's gonna be how we're starting. Is everybody's gonna invest in creating the world? I'm excited to see how much more a player character invests themselves in the world and what's going on once they've done that because i've never done right. anything like that that sounds like a cool idea <laughs> and then will one person be the gm or will you pass that duty well, around i'm gonna be the dungeon master for now i i don't have a problem with passing it around they're building the basis of the world and the way i'm looking at it is you're probably not going to fill out the whole hex map you're gonna we're gonna fill out some key points that they're familiar with oh so yeah the yeah. rest of the world wide open for me to throw things into and intertwine with the stories we make as it goes I'm hoping for it to be a very sandbox type game, but I've got quite a few other things planned for it, but it'll be neat. I've never done it. Cool new ideas to go with. And we're going to be rolling up. I gave the players their choice of all these different systems that I had from uh, OSE, basic fantasy, um, swords and wizardry, castles and crusades. And they picked 
castles and crusades so i'm like nice completely good with that we'll run cnc (laughs) right Uh, another great thing about cnc i I feel like if you run pathfinder or fifth edition uh you have to allow players every option from all the new books i i see people get frustrated if you say well i'm not using the classes from that book I'm not using the racist from that book. And I've never run into a castles and crusades player because most of the time you're introducing the game to somebody. And if you just say, just buy this player's handbook and that's all you need, they're like, okay. And and they'll, they'll work within that way. You don't have to figure out how to fit uh, tieflings or dragonborn into your world Uh, or, or even beyond that, whatever's coming out in a book next month. Yeah, well, my biggest issue with that, because I ran Pathfinder for a campaign. And and in that campaign, even though it lasted like a year, <laughs> so I bought like every Pathfinder hardback book that was available because of my book obsession. But I right. ran it for a year. And my biggest problem with all the different classes and races adding to these is that I didn't know how to run the game because there were right. so many more rules being added, which made it harder for me to DM the game. So something I ran into in a game that I was playing a long running campaign is all the players knew their characters inside and out. And every week the GM has to learn what he's using. Like there might be NPCs and monsters that he's never used before. So that kind of tweaks the challenge rating a little bit when you have a group of people using characters that they've used for 30 sessions versus a game master that might be using a be well not a beholder and pathfinder but you know a lich for the first time or you you can use a beholder and pathfinder just go grab the the third edition dungeon or monsters yeah yeah pull it out there's the same thinking (laughs) game (laughs) (laughs) and then uh, there's other books like some of those things like uh tome of horrors complete has like not beholders in there you know (laughs) oh yeah it's not a beholder Well, I, like when you're buying Reaper minis and, and such, you know, it'll be an eye tyrant and a, uh, what a phase cat instead of a displacer beast. Yeah, they can't use displacer beasts either, can they? I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's never brought up. So I'll get back to running the shop. So you've been doing it for 11 years. Yeah. And, and, you run a lot of games out of there, I'm assuming, or yeah, it's, yeah, it's led you to meet and interact with a lot of cool people. Could you yeah. tell us a bit about some of that? I feel like I will never struggle to find a group of players for a role playing game ever again. <laughs> I, I literally, you know, I look at my Facebook friends list and, and it's like 1500 people or something, and I'm like, I should pare this down and take out the people that I actually don't know or have never met or have no connection to. And I'll go through and it's like, Oh, I actually know all these people, <laughs> you know, whether, whether it was from uh, a job in the past or uh, just from the game community, I, whenever there's a big convention uh, like origins or Gen Con, uh, I will randomly get friend requests from more people. I, I'm guessing because people that I know are at the convention playing games with people and they're like, do you know Todd from Gateway Games? So so like a little proud moment I had once, one of the guys that used to live in town, he moved to Pittsburgh 
and he was meeting up with some gamers there to play Dungeon Crawl Classics. And when they when he told them that he was from Cincinnati, they said, have you ever been to Gateway Games? And he got to tell them he helped me paint the store. So, <laughs> Yeah, I've I, your name has come up with quite a few of my guests, believe it or not. Really? <laughs> yeah, yes, it has. A few guests have just come up like, oh yeah, Todd's there. Yeah, great he's guy. an asshole. That's what they're right. <laughs> We're all mad at you now. I <laughs> <all> hate you. <laughs> I do have a story I probably can't tell on air. I don't think I'll get in trouble, but remind okay. me afterwards to tell you. <laughs> It's not about you specifically, but so yeah. so I know a couple guys that love to go to conventions, and whenever they roll crappy, they always say, "Never buy your dice from Gateway Games and More," <laughs> oh, which no. actually causes people to buy dice from Gateway Games and More. It's kind of funny. But well, we got we got the character builder dice from Gateway Games, and the purple ones. Yeah, and they're actually my daughter's dice. Well, we got I got two sets. I think one's mine and one's my daughter. I think I bought a second set. My daughter got hers, and when we started raiding my daughter's character builder dice, <laughs> they had you had. Well, t- tell about the character builder dice. So, so Rick, who's on the podcast with me, was running. We were doing a play test uh, for the Purple Planet for DCC. So this goes back several years, and he thought it would be cool. He found some place where he could just buy a big bag of purple dice, and he brought them in. And he would give them away like, you know, you give away little prizes, like somebody would do something good. He would give them one. Well, we all found out that these purple D6s roll amazingly well. So we started packaging them. To, he, he bought more and we <laughs> packaged them together in little four packs. And whenever a, a lot of us are rolling 46 to roll up a new character we grab these purple dice and they're like magic <laughs> are there any more character builder dice left at the store that are for sale i have a ton so so from a recent event that rick ran i now have little red solo cups that have six of them in it so you can have like turn them into fireball dice or, or whatever you need <laughs> them to be well, next time I'm up there, I may have to try to buy some more character builder dice. That's <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, they, they turned up right now. We're coming up about on, on time. Could you tell the listeners where they can find your podcast, where they can, well, whatever contact information for the store and how to find you and Gateway Games? So I do most everything through the Gateway Games Facebook page, which is pretty easy to find. We come up pretty quick on Google and stuff as well and if you if anyone doesn't know we're in eastgate on the east side of cincinnati just a stone's throw from jungle gyms <laughs> and then the d50 shades of dnd podcast we're on podbean we're on itunes we're on spotify i think and some other places that i can't remember so uh, now i want to do a side rail because most of our listeners aren't from Cincinnati. <laughs> right, right. But I don't think most of them know what Jungle Gyms is. I live right down the street from the other Jungle Gyms on the other right. side of town. So there's about an hour difference between the two of us, I want to say. What's Jungle Gyms? So usually if someone is visiting a town, the the most notable, coolest, most unique thing 
that you want to direct them to is not usually a grocery store. <laughs> but Jungle Gyms is more than a, a, a grocery store. It's an experience. Their hot sauce section is larger than Gateway Games. <laughs> That's hot sauce, heart barbecue sauce. Uh, their cheese section is bigger than Gateway Games. <laughs> you know, uh, the, the beer section, the wine section, you can go buy stuff from all over the world. Uh, we've had uh, yak meat from there, which is actually quite delicious and good in tacos. Uh, alligator, uh, anything you can think of, they they have it. And the, the decor is crazy. Like the one here has a monorail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or there will be uh, old carnival rides hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, it's it it it's 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 something out there, and like ev- they got little sections like regionally from around the world, different countries and stuff like that, of foods that would be sold there. So if you're yeah. looking for it and you can buy it somewhere around the world, and you want to find it, Jungle Gyms is your place to go. <laughs> so, so there's some Ohio places that I absolutely love. So Tony Paco's up in Toledo, which Klinger used to talk about on Mash all the time. It's a real place. <laughs> you can get their their sausages. And their 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 uh, hot dog sauce and their pickles and stuff from there. And then also <laughs> a place somewhere else in Ohio, Frog Ranch. Frog Ranch salsa is like my favorite. That's that's my plug for some Ohio uh, cuisine for everybody. That's excellent. That's excellent. Thank you for coming on. It's been great talking to you. We'll have to definitely have you back on again in the future if you're up for it. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. Share on social media. For those of you that have given us positive reviews and shared our stuff, I've been seeing a lot more of that lately. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at LogarHaleProm. I want to thank all of our Patreons and supporters there. And if you can afford to and you're able to, any support you can give us on Patreon, we'd really appreciate it patreon.com backslash wobblies and wizards and as always keep those dice rolling